0: Guys, it's Wednesday night, and you know what that means. It's time for another episode of just another sports podcast here on the Sports Objective Broadcasting Podcasting Network. We're prod- we're broadcasting, we're podcasting, we're live-casting. We might even cast out some lines. I don't know. Um, I'm Kyle Barker, and I screwed that introduction all to hell. And I'm joined, as I will be each and every week, with my co-host, the one and only hit coach of Northeast Academy, the legendary the, the, the king of of year, North Carolina, oh, the suburb of Virginia, Don't ladies and gentlemen. Again.
1: Don't do Virginia. We, we we agreed on Runt Rapids last time.
0: The suburb of Emporia, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Mr. Stevie Fluff. What's up, buddy? How you doing today? I am. I'm here, man. I uh, and here. And, Same here. And, and tonight, you know, we're 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 going to be talking about East Carolina defense for the 2023 season and. And uh, later on in the show, we're going to give our top five linebackers and linemen of, of all time at East Carolina. Uh, and so what better way to uh, to break down the Pirate defense and talk about linebackers and defensive linemen by talking to uh, our co-host here on the Sports Project, good former East Carolina linebacker, Matt Semenza. Matt, I hope you can talk better than I can tonight because so far, <laughs> I, I I can't get my shit together. I've well, you- twice already. You're
2: usually like the uh you know, right on point. You're usually locked in. So, you know, I'm sure it'll come
1: to you here in a few yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah. But uh, man,
0: I've had a lot of my mind today. You know what? And hosting is not natural to me. Uh, you yeah. know. So
1: I thought you were trying to pull some Ric Flair stuff right there, Did Some styling and profile. You know what? You know what? That's what screwed me broadcast. up, Stevie.
0: <laughs> That's what screwed me up, Stevie. At the beginning of the broadcast, I I I had I had pondered. I had pondered doing uh boogie woogie man the handsome buzzy the handsome boogie gimmick from oh, memphis i was gonna woo mercy daddy welcome then to just another sports podcast but then i Willy, decided Willy. yeah so i did not to do that and uh just yeah. do the normal introduction which i screwed up but anyway guys um <laughs> we are sitting here week zero um if, if you if you uh hopefully just watched um uh Sonny and Semenza, as they broke down week zero's games, Matt, I didn't get a chance to watch. Uh, did you did you, pull, did you pick any upsets this week?
2: You know, it's I, I guess it's hard to call it an upset. I mean, the games are kind of weak, guys. But uh, I did pick Ohio, the Bobcats, to go on the road to San Diego State and cover the two. So I don't know how much of an upset you want to call that, but it's probably the best I can do. I also have San Jose State covering the uh, 31 over <laughs> USC. So we'll we'll see.
0: If you got them covering the two, then you're pretty much. uh, Are are they two point dogs? or Two point favorites?
2: So Ohio's a two point dog on the
0: road. So I just like a money line. So you like them straight up, basically.
2: Absolutely, yeah. I think they're going to go on the road and take that game. They got a good team coming back.
0: No, they were good last year. So that's a good pick. I like that. That's that may be the best game of the day. Um, Honestly, that it'll be that in terms of competitiveness. It'll be either that one or UMass and New Mexico State. And um you know, I know um Rennie really thinks UMass is gonna be a lot better this year. Uh, but if it was anything like last year, New Mexico State's gonna, you know, kick their ass. So uh what's the line in that one, Matt? Do you know?
2: So New Mexico State is a six and a half point favorite over uh-huh.
0: UMass. And
2: uh Yeah, I would a- you,
0: I would take them to cover that.
2: Yeah, Kyle, I think I think we've talked about this before, but Jerry Kill, yep. Stevie, you know, I'm sure you're familiar. That guy, can, he is a hell of a coach.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. Very good coach, never flashy. They always play – his teams always play really good defense. They can always run the ball. And uh, last year they got better as the season went on. And, uh, you know, he was playing with Doug Martin's talent. Here, You know, here, here's a fun fact for you. When Doug Martin got fired at Kent State the following year, um, head coach came in and took them to a 10-win season, never had another winning season. And uh, Doug Martin gets fired at New Mexico State. Jerry Kill comes in first year, takes him to a ball. So, um shows you Doug Martin at least recruits well. <laughs>
1: yeah, look, week zero with the NCAA, why hasn't the NCAA done kind of like the NFL does and have like a marquee matchup at week zero to kind of get things kicked off?
0: You know, like – They kind of do. They kind of do, Stevie. Yeah, but
1: it's not really a good – uh, I, mean, I mean, no. They've totally only had a great they, this, this
0: season. They've only had a really good one one year. They did four yeah. in Miami a couple of years ago, and um, last year it was uh, God Nebraska Northwestern, <laughs> and and this year it's um, Navy Notre Dame. So I mean, yeah. No, I'm I with mean, you.
1: I I mean, from a from a marketing standpoint. You know, you you want to kick off the season like a, a, a week zero matchup with, uh, you know, get a marquee matchup up there somewhere. And, I mean, nothing against Navy or Notre Dame, but I mean, that's that's not that's not something I'm going like God. I got to tune in to Navy and Notre Dame. I, Just you know, I'm you know, so fired up for college
0: football. I'm excited. Oh, be that. I am too. Go I'm and give excited to to UTEP.
1: But get like a <laughs> get like an eight o'clock Saturday game. Yeah, and, I agree. A, a primetime time
0: matchup. I actually, and, and, we, and we'll get into the content. We got a limited time here. Tonight, Nine o'clock. We uh, we have uh, we have an interview with SMU, um, their beat writer or something. I don't know. I'm flustered <laughs> tonight, guys. I'm 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 useful, but uh, <laughs> anyway, um, one thing I'd, I'd like to see, and I and you guys can comment on this. Maybe people would hate this idea, but would Navy in our conference now? Um, I've always hated that they play Army the week after the conference championship game, even though I know it's tradition. Yeah, I've always thought, what a great way to kick off the season and if week zero! Uh, you kicked it off with Army Navy. Um, yeah, I, I've always thought I that would. Way. I would
1: go along with that. Yeah, <laughs> something,
0: some kind of rivalry game or something like that
1: to yeah. kick off week zero with
0: it. Yeah, no, I think it would definitely be a good idea. All right, guys. So uh, this is what we're doing tonight. We're going to look at the uh, twenty twenty three East Carolina defense and. A lot was being flustered. Um, I did not have a chance at all to get much research done. This is going to be—I promise everybody—a better performance, more research uh, on on, on uh, upcoming episodes. But I uh, tonight, I'm I'm going to rely heavy on on Matt and Stevie. Um, so, guys, let's jump right into it. If we look at the defense from this year, uh, this is this is year three under Blake Harold. This is year three, or is this year three or year four? With is this year four for Black Harold's defense? Yeah. yeah, it was year four for Black Harold's defense. Um, you know, when Black got here, we were all excited, we saw the improvement from 2019 to 2020, uh, with what Black Harold's defense has done. But what, what to me, his defense hasn't put it together yet for a full season, it's no. always flashes. There, there are games where we look like we have a stellar top 10 defense and then there are games like the Houston game last year where you wonder if we have a defense so my question I'll start here you know and Matt I'll start with you as you know you're a defensive guy do you think Blake Harrell has the pieces in place now to put together a, a a good defense for 12 full games
2: so I do think he has the pieces to put together a very solid defense I think some of those pieces are unproven You know, and I think that's where, you know, I'm the type of guy where, you know, you can talk about these things in the preseason and a lot of things look good on paper, but I kind of need to see it on Saturdays. And, you know, I think that, you know, Kyle, when you look at the defense, I think the defensive line is pretty stout. It's it's proven. It's experienced. You have depth. I think where you kind of get into some unknowns is when you look at the middle linebackers in particular. You know, we lost uh, a few guys, longtime guys like Xavier Smith and Miles Berry. Um, and now you're bringing in some new faces. You know, we hit the transfer portal. So a lot of unknowns in the middle linebacker room and then also some unknowns at corner too. So I think there's talent there, but, you know, it's always a question of can, can that talent come together in time for the season? And, and, and you know, you want it to be – you want this team to be able to gel – for Michigan, you don't want to have to wait till week four or five until
0: everybody's on the same page. So,
2: just some unproven parts.
0: i right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I'm gonna build from the back to the front. We're gonna start with the secondary. Um, so, uh, both of you will start. I will start again with Matt. Stevie, feel free to jump in with a question, gotcha. Matt, whenever you want to. Uh, but we'll start with the secondary. Tell me what you like about the secondary. I know we got some guys from the portal. Uh, we we you know I know we, we unfortunately you know lost some uh, lost some players in the secondary, lost a guy in the portal. Uh, we have our leading tackler back at safety. Just tell me what you like about the uh, the secondary, the new pieces from the portal and what we have returning and then uh, what's your question and what's your concern in the secondary?
2: Yeah, so I mean I, I think the first thing I like you know when I look at this secondary in particular is I think our safeties can tackle. I think they're good against the run Tegan Wilk and Julius wood. Yep. I think both of those safeties, you know, Tegan's up more of a boundary safety, Julius to the field, but both of those guys can come down hill and hit and tackle. So I think from like a physical standpoint, I like where we are at safety. I think, think some of the concerns I have there are more in the coverage area. Yeah. Um, you know, you saw several times late in the season last year, you know, Houston coming into Greenville, we got carved up fellows. You saw that. Um, te- the Temple game defensively was one to forget. I mean, Warner just just carved this up. So
0: except for that last drive, yeah, uh,
2: absolutely. So you know, I-, I think I think the safeties, you know, I feel good about where they are. Hopefully, another year in the system, we can clean up some of the coverage aspects of it. Um, you know, you also have some some depth there too. So we brought in a guy by the name of Omar Rogers from Elon who was an all-conference player at Elon. Uh, by all accounts, he was. He had some injuries this spring, and he was slowed down a bit, but now he's kind of getting back to full speed. So he brings depth. He can play the boundary or field safety. Um, and he, he's shown some ability to go up and high point the ball and make some plays. So he, he's, a, he's a guy that I really expect big t- things from in that safety room too.
0: What about a corner, Matt?
2: So... Stevie, I'm sure you heard this too, but I think the catchphrase of the off season was length. Yeah. You yeah. heard a lot about length. Um, and you know, Siobhan Ravel, he's going to be starting at one of the corner spots. He's a longer guy by all accounts. he He can really run. And I know the coaching staff feels really good about him. You know, I think at the other corner spot, it sounds like that's maybe still up for grabs a little bit. Um, But uh, I I think you're going to see a combination of guys there. You know, I I think that you have Isaiah Brown Murray, who, you know, he he was a highly recruited kid out of high school. I think right now he's kind of the leader to start at that opposite corner position. And then you have Timey Brown, a transfer from North Carolina, and Antoine Jackson, who was basically the highest rated recruit of all time at ECU coming from Miami. Um, and I know you guys recall, like, yeah, that yeah, game.
0: he 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 signed with the Canes, and then uh, decided he didn't want to be there. <laughs>
2: exactly. So good thing for us. And by all accounts, he's he's ready to go right now. He's ready to play. So, and then you have another. You have a, a kid, Jonathan Jones, who's a transfer from Campbell. Um, he's got a lot of experience. He and then Rance us last year. He sure did, yeah. And then Rance Connor, who's a transfer from Louisville. So I think you have more bodies this year that can play. I think we're going to be just fine at corner. Like, I, I'm not worried about some of the losses we had there. Um, you know, Malik Fleming did some good things, but I'm not really too concerned about, you know, that loss. I, I think these guys can can do the job. So more length
1: and more speed, I think, is is what I'm looking at.
0: Somebody's girlfriend's plays suit for the Pirates.
1: Yeah, Antoine Jackson's girlfriend plays, plays for the Pirates.
0: OK, well, yeah, makes that probably, yeah and that's yeah,
1: that's probably a good reason for you. Yeah. But yeah. I think, you know, looking at the depth chart, uh, it looks like they're giving a slight edge to Isaiah Brown, Isaiah Brown, Mario over everybody else right now. But like Matt said, this could be anybody could be stepping in at that other at that other other corner right now. I mean, Antoine Jackson could be the starter. You never know with with that other corner position.
0: Yeah, no doubt, and quite frankly, losing people we lost doesn't bother me because our secondary didn't exactly set the world on fire. Like <laughs> no. I actually think we're going to be better in the secondary this year than when we were last year. Um, and another thing is, as you pointed out, Matt, uh, we have a good D-line this year, and that'll make a, a, a mediocre secondary look a lot better. But we'll, we'll, we'll kinda, we gonna—we talked about the safeties in the corner, so we'll move up now to the linebackers, your expertise, Matt. Uh, you said you have some concern at middle linebacker. What what do you like first of all about our linebackers, and then tell me what your concerns are?
2: Well, what I like, I, I think we have a lot more speed this year. I think we have a lot more speed. You know, I, I mentioned some of the guys from last year, guys like Xavier Smith and Miles Berry, who they did a fine job. You know, but they were bigger linebackers, and I think they were their strength was more coming downhill with the run fits and and, and stuff in the run, as opposed to guys who could really cover and. I think this year we've added a lot of speed at linebacker, and I think these guys can run sideline to sideline. I think they're going to be able to cover more effectively. So, you know, a few guys, like we have a lot of transfers, but another guy who's in for his second year is Michael Edwards. He He's from Georgia Southern, guys, and uh, he started his freshman year there and then transferred out. Um, he has He does have experience. He's got speed. By all accounts, he's having a good camp. So I look for him. What just, were
0: his numbers at Georgia Southern, uh, Matt? Was he was he was he near an all conference in the Sun Belt, or as a freshman, or was he all you know how how, how was he as a freshman at Georgia Southern?
2: So I, I recall that he had he was pretty he was pretty efficient. I think he had like seventy tackles this okay.
0: freshman year, and he
2: did some really good things. Um, not sure what led to the to the transfer to East Carolina, but. He contributed to special teams last year pretty heavily. He can definitely run. So I think it's going to be him or B.J. Davis at the will. Uh, he's a transfer from South Carolina State. Yeah. Uh, who Stevie, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he was an all-conference guy there.
0: He was. He yeah, was. he was.
1: And, and, and Bubba said Blake Harrow has been very complimentary of, of him. So that's probably going to give him the edge at the wheel right there. Yeah, and another guy who can
2: run. Sideline to sideline. I think that's kind of like what we were missing the last few years is yeah. the speed at middle linebacker. Um, and then you have fourth year player, you know, Taylor Jackson, who I think is going to start at the mic inside linebacker. And he's backed up by Taekwon King, who I, I think came from Central, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So I think smaller guys in terms of the weight, like some of these guys are like 215, 220, but they can run and they bring length. So I like what we did, but to answer your question, Kyle, what do I not like? I, I guess it's not that I don't like anything. It's just that a lot of these guys are unproven. You know, they haven't, we haven't seen them play on Saturdays yet. And so, you know, it's one thing to.
0: Well, not here anyway. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah exactly. At least not here. Um, but yeah, but that's a good point. I mean, they, they have played, they have experience. So, you know, can you gel? How, how quickly does it take to gel? I think that's, that's, the,
1: that's the thing. That's the thing. And, you know, that's the most important thing right there. And, and I, I don't mean to I mean, just piggybacking off what Matt said. It's how quickly these new faces can jail together. Because if they don't jail together, it's, it's, it's not going to work. But uh, I think Taekwondo King came from A&T. He didn't come from since we came from A&T. So, but, uh, yeah, that's the key word. How quick can they jail together? And just like Matt said, you can't wait till week four. You need to start doing it against Michigan.
0: No, and in uh, and, and in many ways, when you know you have the Michigan Wolverines, you know, uh, uh, lined up across from you, you know, that it, it depends on the mindset of, of the team, but you, you would think having that kind of a challenge could really galvanize a team, particularly if they're able to have any kind of success early on in that game. Um We'll move up to the D line. I think that's what we all feel best about. Uh, which, if you know, if if, if you get, if I have to choose one area of the defense to be good on, that would be it. Uh So I'll ask you the same thing, Matt. Tell me what you like about our D line. Tell me what you don't like. I love the depth. I yeah. love the depth.
2: I, I think we're. You know, if you remember back to Mike Houston's first year here, he went all in on the D line in yeah, recruiting, and they did a hell of a job. And and it's been a pretty good room, you know, ever since. And you know, you look at it this year, you know, you look at the nose and it kind of uh, – I always build from the inside out. And uh, I'm sure, Stevie, you're a, you're a high school football coach. I mean, the foundation from the inside out is where you want to be strong. Um, exactly. And, you know, you look at Deontay Johnson. I mean, he's a hes a big kid who has experience. He can move. Um, you know, he, he's – what? I think it's his third year in the program now. And then you have – at the tackle, you have Elijah Morris, who it feels like he's been here forever. But uh, he's a really good player against the run. He's, he's tough. He brings athleticism. He's durable. You know, he, he's always, he always seems like, you know, he's available to play and, and, and play a lot of snaps. And so, you know, I think those two guys will be the mainstays, you know, at nose and tackle. Um, and then you look at defensive end, and a little more question marks there, but Chad Stevens right now I think is running with the ones – and then you have guys like JD Lampley, Eric Doctor, and then Josiah Robinson, who was a Michigan State transfer, who is uh, coming off. He'll, of
0: be, he'll, he'll be fired up.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That'll be interesting.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Oh. So, but a lot of depth. I mean, you just look at this group, guys. I mean, you have between nose and tackle and DN, you have eight to 10 guys there who you can kind of rotate in
1: and out and feel pretty good about. And another thing on that defensive line is like is is the depth and the experience there because these guys, you know, juniors, most of these guys are juniors and have been with the program for a while. So, uh, yeah, that that experience is gonna is gonna mean a lot come come uh, that Michigan game.
0: Yeah, I, I have a feeling. And I, I'm not gonna, you know, we, we have a little text group, me uh, me Matt and Dave, where we uh, correspond pretty regularly. And uh, um, Dave referred to our defense as stellar the other day. I'm not ready to say that just yet. I hope that Don't, turns out to be. The, I hope I that hope turns out right. to be the case. But yeah, I hope he's right too. But I do think our defense may be surprisingly good this year. I, I think we have the potential. And potential is a dangerous word, but I think we have the potential to have the best defense we've had since 2009. Since 2009. Since 2000, 2009 sounds weird. Since 2009. I think the potential is there to be that good on defense. Um, whether we'll leave, leave – I think I had a mini-stroke, guys. Whether we'll live up to that potential or not, I don't know. But we uh, – it, it's there. I I really believe we could be special on defense this year. Or we could be, be you know, mediocre. I think a lot of it's going to depend on kind of what Matt alluded to. It's kind of I, I think the biggest question marks are corner and linebacker. Um, and if, uh, if those two position groups can perform – I think we could have a really nice defense.
2: Yeah, and one more guy that I didn't mention, and he's more of a nickel linebacker. Which in this defense, if you're a nickel, you're you're going to be on the field a lot because um, it's such a, a, a versatile defense. But Ra Ra Dilworth and yeah, Ra yeah, Ra. He the how, First of all, I like that name. It's a great name. Yeah, a great name. A terrible and, last name. <laughs> now this is a guy who can <laughs> run. I mean, apparently he's a 4'3", 40. Uh He was highly recruited out of high school. Things didn't work out at UNC, so we're happy to have him here. But apparently he's another guy that can run. And he, you put him on the field with these middle linebackers, and now all of a sudden you have guys that can really run sideline to sideline and make plays. Yeah.
1: And, and and in this day and time, you know, that that quickness and that speed at linebacker Means so much if you can find some some guys that can cover cover sideline to sideline like that 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 makes a big difference on your defense.
0: Yeah, and the and the game that immediately comes to mind when you talk about the speed we're going to have on defense versus years past. I think so much Michigan because they're going to run it down your throat. Yeah, it's, it's App State because App really likes to do that. Uh, they like to stretch the field with their zone play, get you looking left and right, and then throw it deep. Um, uh, so I, I really like the speed if, you know, if, if, if Matt's right and, and our speed on defense is much improved, uh, that could play, play big dividends come game three with what app likes to do on offense.
1: Definitely.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, you, but Kyle, you make a great point. I mean, you think back to app a few years ago when we were in Charlotte and they just killed us on that outside zone. mm mm-hmm. Um, and then that you know they set you up with the play action, and then they look to go over the top. So, like I think, not to not to get off Michigan, but you look to app. I mean, you have to take away that run first yeah. because if you don't, you're going to get killed in the play action game.
0: Yeah, and I think we'll be able to. Um, I uh, I think our defense actually the way the way you're breaking it down, Matt. I, I think we may match up really well with that, and that's why I bring that game up. Obviously. Michigan and Marshall are very important games, Certainly not overlooking the Wolverines nice. and the Thunder and Herd nice. by any means. But, uh, you know, we're breaking down the defense for the whole season here. And uh, that game just, just comes to mind when I think about um, watching us play them in, in 21 and, and the deficiencies we had with them, uh, their speed on offense versus our speed on defense. I I think uh, it could be a little bit different the, this time around in Boone. But um, a few games to go before that. Yeah. Um Guys, we, uh, we're we limited here on time tonight, but we're, we're doing pretty good. It's uh, 8.38, I believe. So um, before we get into our top five here uh, that we're going to do each and every week, this week it's going to be top five uh, favorite defensive linebackers and of all time in ECU history. And we'll get to that in a minute. But briefly, I wanted to touch on everybody's favorite topic, conference realignment. Um, a lot of, lot, lot of buzz going around again today. Uh, there was some meetings uh, with some ACC presidents discussing Cal Stanford and USMU uh, to the ACC. I received a phone call from a contact of mine earlier who has contact in um, with a major television network who says uh, he believes it's a done deal that Cal Stanford and SMU uh, will be going to the ACC. Um, I'm actually okay with two of the three. Uh, Cal and Stanford to the ACC, I think, actually bodes well for the American. I think it gives us a really good chance of getting Washington State, Oregon State. But I don't want to lose SMU for several different reasons. One, because it'll make me sick to see another American team go to the ACC instead of East Carolina, and our administration appeared to not do anything to try to stop that from happening. Um, Two, and let me ask you guys this, um, both of you, if SMU goes to the ACC, do you think that deters Oregon State and Washington State from coming to the American? Do you think that? We the see American where they go, screw it at this point. Let's go to the Mountain West. Or if you're Mike Orasco, do you say, look, UCF, Houston, Cincinnati, all to the Big 12, SMU to the ACC. Oregon State, Washington State, if you want to have a chance to get back in a power conference, you better come to the American. This is the path to get into a power conference. Or, or, or do you think if we lose SMU, that that loses – all opportunities we had of getting Oregon State, and Washington State.
1: Uh, I, I don't think it's a good thing if we lose SMU. I think it looks makes us American look weaker. I, I, I'm going with what you said about it makes them think they need to go to the Mountain West. Uh, in my opinion, uh, okay. but that's just me. It's so
2: complicated. I mean, I like I just you know when I simplify it, I like to say whoever has the biggest TV contract, but yeah, I, which is us. But, but then, you know, you factor in travel expenses and all that. And where does that, how does that shake out? Like how much profit are you, are you netting at the end of the day when you factor all that in teams from the West
0: coast? Well, so, to truly make their, 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 highest profit margin would probably be if, they're just, if they just want they just want playing profit. Um, being being football is what drives the boat. If if we were to agree, and tell me if you guys would be okay with this, would you be guys be okay with with agreeing to giving Oregon State and Washington State a full share as football only members if the rest of their sports were in the West Coast Conference?
2: Hmm. I'll say yes. I'll say absolutely.
0: I would under the condition of the SMU, the, the SMU, wow. <laughs> under the condition that ESPN raises our contract a little bit, at least enough that we can pay Oregon State and Washington State the same amount the rest of us are getting paid without taking away from what we're getting paid to make that happen. And so we're not dividing the same size pie amongst two more teams.
1: Yeah. Uh, Kenneth Maynard said if we lose SMU, grab App State, Southern Miss, and Liberty and go to 16.
0: I, I'm, I, I'm okay with that. Um, if Oregon State and Washington State don't want to come, I would say uh, App State, Southern Miss Marshall. Uh, I, I do get the Liberty thing because they got a lot of money, but you got a lot of schools. You know, they, they had to go to Conference USA on a necessity um, because they couldn't get into the American Sun Belt. Uh, a lot of schools don't want to be associated with them because they're evangelical school. Not right. because they're a Christian school. SMU, yeah. you know, there's a lot of Christian schools. It's because they evangelical Christian and a lot of people don't want to be associated with that, so well, they, they, they got did. they got more money than Jesus.
2: They sure do. Right. <laughs> well, I think Kenneth makes it. I mean, I agree. You know, App should have been welcomed into the conference the last time around, in my opinion. You know, over way over Charlotte. I mean, come on, you gotta be kidding me. Uh, so. I felt like they should have been asked in last time around, so I, I, I'm, I'm all for it. App is a team that's earned the right to move up. They've proved it on the field,
1: Definitely.
2: and yeah, you got to respect I, that. You have to respect it. I would this, love
0: to see App. Yeah, me too, Stevie. I'm um, I, 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 with you 100. I um, personally, this is what I think is going to happen if we lose SMU. If, if we lose SMU, I, I think we're going to try to get Washington State and Oregon State, regardless. Um, but if we don't get them, I don't think we're going to add anybody. I think if we lose SMU, unless ESPN tells us we need to, uh, since we don't play divisions, I think we'll just stick with 13 football teams. What difference does it make? We're not playing divisions. Why does it need to be an even number? True. True. Uh, That's what that's, that's my guess is what will happen if we lose SMU, um, I'm really hoping it's Cal Stanford only because I think uh, I, I do really believe we'd have a good chance to get Oregon State, Washington State. But anyway, that's enough about that. That I, I do think the ACC part of that equation will play out this week. I think we'll know by the end of this week uh, if Cal Stanford and or SMU is going to the ACC. The rest of it will probably take another week or two. But I think we'll know that at, that part of uh, realignment by the end of the week. Um Guys, you uh, Matt, you you, you comment on these because you should know all these guys. If you didn't play with them, you watched them play. And uh, you you know this position. We're, we're going to rank our top well, – not so much a ranking. This is mine and Stevie's top five favorite linebackers and linemen in East Carolina football history. So uh, I'm going to start. We're going to rotate. Um, and uh, at number five here, Stevie, I have um, my fellow uh, – you know, I grew up in Williamston. I'm Kyle from the Grange, but I grew up in Williamson, just like uh, just like Dave did, and uh, I got to go with my my my, uh, my fellow Williamson boy Pernell Griffin. Uh, you know, at number yeah. five, I remember when we signed Pernell. Uh, we actually—I oh, yeah. don't—I don't know if people remember this. Do you, did, Stevie, do you remember who we were in a recruiting battle for to get Pernell Griffin, or a recruiting battle with? I don't remember.
1: I can't recall. Now I, I was just—I remember being so excited when we signed him. I can't remember. I'm old.
0: Penn State. <laughs> Penn State oh yeah 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 that's right so uh yeah he chose the Pirates and chose to stay home rather than going to Penn State had a great career here I never thought he quite lived up to his expectations I thought he'd be a a I thought he'd be an NFL player for many years and um never quite lived up to those expectations but he was a hell of a college player so uh, my number five is uh is Pernell Griffin uh Steven who you got
1: yeah, I got a tie at number five. All You'll right. find out when we do these lists a lot. I have ties sometimes, but uh, Jeff Kerr, um, you know, three-time All Conference USA selection. Uh, I mean, anybody, you know, what he t- towards ACL in high school, and, yeah. and then tour the other ACL in college, and then still comes back and has a great career at ECU. Uh, doesn't let that get him. Any other guy probably would have uh, probably would have quit after the after the second one. Uh, but yeah, Jeff Jeff Carr is my my number five. And then I got a tie with that. And this guy I mean I just remember the ECU Carolina game, the 70-41 game that started that second half. Uh Zeke Bigger picking that pass uh, off and taking it for back for a touchdown. And yeah. and just just a great career he had at ECU and, and got great in, game. got in yeah Zeke Bigger, yeah. I got to interview both of these guys, great guys, and, uh, yeah, they're 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 tied. I couldn't leave – you know, they, they were on the edge. I couldn't leave either one of them off my list, so I had to have a tie at number five for them.
0: Matt, you want to comment on any of those guys?
1: Yeah, I mean, awesome
2: picks, all of them. I mean, I'll start with Jeff Carr because he's a good friend of mine and still is to this day. And, uh, you know, I, <laughs> Jeff was just so committed to football. Like, it would be a Friday night, a Saturday night. I would want to go downtown and party and blow <laughs> off some steam. And Jeff wouldn't go. He, he was like, Nope, I have practice on Monday. I, you know, he, he was so disciplined and he, you know, great teammate. He, he was just committed to football. Like, you know, you weren't going to have anybody that worked harder. You know, he was always going to be on time, you know, and then when he was on the field, he was just tough. You know, he, he would play through injury. He would play through pain. he, he was reliable. He understood the defense. He would make plays. So absolutely. I mean, great, great player. Um, you know, Pernell Griffin, I quick Twitch, like he had some quick Twitch to him where he could really bend and, and, and move in, in tight spaces and, and make plays. And he, you know, really good athlete and a really good player. And, you know, he could cover, he could tackle you. He could kind of do it all. And, and then Z, uh, get Zeke Bigger, I mean, I didn't play with Zeke, but he was a gamer, man. I, that's what I think of when I think of him. He would show up. He was uh, he was vocal, you know. He, he would play his ass off every week. So, all, all good picks.
0: Yeah. Uh, number four, uh, I got a guy who, um, yeah, he did his career at East Carolina linebacker. And a uh, guy that's was beloved by everybody. Um, unfortunately, we lost him way, way too soon in his early 30s. But uh, number four, I got Morris Foreman.
1: Definitely, definitely. I, I, I'll talk about. I'll go ahead and tell you he's he's number three on my list. So we can get that get that out of the way because I know we're we're a little, content, time constrained tonight. But yeah, uh, unfortunately lost him, lost him way too early. But man, what a career! It starts what he started out defensive back, then moves to linebacker, and then just uh, yeah. picked it right up and has a great career at ECU.
2: Yeah, right. so so I'll, Morris is number one for me. Um, when I got to Greenville, I played behind Morris. I was his backup for my first two years. So I got to study him probably as close as anybody. And uh, he didn't say a lot. You know, like Morris wasn't like a, a big talker, but he just had a knack for making plays. He was always in the right place at the right time. Um, how many linebackers have you ever seen that can return freaking punts? I mean, think yeah, about I mean, that. Exactly. Not many. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, think about that. This
0: guy was uh, return more Foreman
1: <laughs> than yeah. the others. <laughs> average, look, it's, it's what freshman year average like 20, 29 almost 29 yards of punt, a kick return. Wow.
2: Yeah, I mean, so just he was different, man. He was a different athlete. He just he just had a knack of uh, always being in the right spot and making plays, and um, you know, you know, just he, he was the type of guy like you didn't really want to mess with Morris. Like he he was just a tough dude, and um, but I learned a lot playing behind him, and uh, you know, he t- he definitely had a big influence on you know on my game at ECU.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. Two hundred fifty-four tackles and seven interceptions in his career, so I think that was pretty, pretty, pretty stellar.
0: Yeah, no doubt. He he was he's a legend, and uh, we lost him way too soon. Who's your number four? uh now,
1: Number four, you mentioned earlier, uh, Pernell Griffin. Uh, you know what? What, can, what else can you say about that? Uh, but Pernell had a great career, like you said, being recruited by Penn State and picked. I would love to hear. I guess maybe it was closer to home. I don't know. I mean, I would love to get him on and talk. And I and I should have asked him when I interviewed him before about what made him pick ECU
0: over Penn State. Probably a like lot being close to home, and at that time, right. you know, we we were we were rolling at that time. Um, my number, uh, my number three, is um, somebody we already talked about. So we'll just. Uh, I'll say this one, and we'll move on to your number three, uh, Stevie. But uh, we may have already talked about your number three also. Yeah,
1: we did um,
0: three. Okay, my number three is Jeff Carr. Uh, we already talked about Jeff Carr. Uh, Jeff was a guy that I used to, you know, just just from a, a – he just seemed to enjoy playing the game. And, Matt, you played with him. Um, he, he seemed to love playing football. He seemed to love hitting people. Um, he always had a – he always seemed to, you know – he played to the whistle, through the whistle, not after the whistle, wasn't a dirty player. But he, he always seemed to be a tough some bitch. Yeah. Oh yeah.
2: Jeff was a gamer. He you know, you know, he would break his nose on a regular basis. That's why I still I call him Pinocchio to this day because <laughs> he's got that giant nose. <laughs> he broke his nose so many times that by the end of his career it was almost touching his face mask. It got so big.
0: Wow. But uh
2: oh, wow. Just messing with you, Jeff. Just messing with you. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, no, he, he would hit you. He was tough. He was going to play through injury, play through pain. And, uh, yeah, a great, great, uh, great teammate, too.
0: Who, who's your number three, Stevie?
1: Well, I did my number
0: three with Morris. Morris, we okay, yeah. talked about that. All right. So we'll move on to number two then. Uh, my number two is a guy that, um, you know, I feel bad for him, man. He got injured his deep he got injured his senior season. I think he would have played in the league if he not got, if he didn't get hurt his senior season. Uh and, you know, was such a just such a disruptive force, got to the quarterback a lot, um, and was having the game of his life when he got injured in two thousand eight against Tulane. And uh and that's Quentin Cotton. Uh oh, yeah. Quentin the Quentin Cotton's number two on my list and uh just, just just, like I say, so disruptive, um, would, would, would get to the quarterback, would blow up running backs in the backfield, um, you know, and was having the game of his life when he got injured against Elaine, had blocked the field goal and ran it back, if I remember right, in that game in the first half. And, uh, again, I think if it wasn't for that injury, he'd played in the league. Definitely,
1: definitely. 28 games, made 19 starts, all-conference USA honors as a sophomore, 151 tackles. Yeah. Yeah, it's just Uh, a shame that an injury had to stop him like that. Okay, number two for me is, uh, and I'm going going back, uh, and Chuck, you think you got me on this one, but no, he's not my number one. Number two, Robert Jones. Um, Yeah, I mean, this was probably, at the time, one of the biggest, biggest hyped, ECU defensive players in a while in, in that 1991 Peach Bowl season. They they were talking about uh,
0: – All-American.
1: All-American, yeah. God, he was going to definitely play in the NFL, and he did, three-time Super Bowl champion. That Peach Bowl t- – hey, this is favorite, Chuck. Now, remember, this is favorite. If we didn't say greatest, we said favorite. So, you know, Chuck's, Chuck Salies, I think – I probably butchered your name right then, Chuck, but – favorite robert jones is my number two favorite
0: yeah not the greatest of all time um this is this is our favorites list yeah. so just just to be clear um my number one uh is the is the guy who's the head coach of the team that just beat the martin county football team that we have their games each and every friday night and don't forget to listen to martin county football take on aiden Griffin this friday night here on the sports justice network but um the head coach of north pitt uh, former Green Bay Packer, uh, C.J. Wilson. Um, C.J. Wilson was a running back in high school, if I remember right. Um, came here as a linebacker, and uh, wreaked havoc for four years. C.J. Wilson was an absolute beast. Great interview too. We need to get C.J. on the show. Uh, always, I remember in um, in media interviews, he always had a uh, such a great personality. Love to watch C.J. play. Another guy um, that Skip Holtz era, it was just so disruptive um and just 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 wreaked havoc got to the quarterback uh you know would get a running back to the back that always wrapped up um and nobody outworked cj wilson man he was just he was just a worker and um a guy that i don't think many people thought would make it to the league and ended up playing a few years uh what, what are your guys thoughts on cj go
1: ahead matt
2: yeah, I mean, just a guy who – he was versatile. I mean, he – I think he
0: – so he came in – you said he came in offensively, right? And then – He was a running back. If I remember right, he was he was primarily recruited as a running back out of Buford County, if I remember correctly. Bubba, is that right? I know he played some D-line,
2: too. I mean, he just moved around a lot. A really versatile, tough player. Anytime you make
0: it to the league and then last for several years. Yeah, you know I said linebacker. I said linebacker the whole damn time. I – he he uh, he was a defensive lineman, and I know that. I just misspoke. I've been saying linebacker because everybody else on this list was a linebacker. But yes, obviously C.J. Wilson was 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 the anchor of Skip Holtz's defensive lines, uh, you know, along with Wimble Joseph and, and some other guys. But yes, C.J. Wilson was was a defensive lineman, not a linebacker. I misspoke. Thank you, Matt. You could have point. You could have interrupted me while I was making a fool out of myself and pointed that up. <laughs> well,
2: well, you know what, Kyle, I I was I was actually I, <laughs> it's late for me too. I'm you know, getting confused on names myself. So I had to think about that one for a minute.
0: No, he definitely was. He he was the anchor of that D line. He was the you know, a lot of people will give Limbo Joseph the credit of being the anchor of that D line. And Joseph's Joseph's very good player, but I think CJ uh, was the anchor of those defensive lines Skip Holtz had that uh, won those conference championships. Um and my am I honorable mentioned there uh, their number one there. I got you Matt. And uh, Matt, <laughs> I remember watching you I remember watching you play uh for Logan in the nineties. Um but really it's more of a personal thing. Uh, you've become a friend of mine through doing these podcasts. You're a good dude and uh just respect you as a man. So uh you uh you are number one in my heart baby.
2: <laughs> hey I appreciate it. I had for anybody watching this I had to pay a hell of a lot of money <laughs> to Kyle for him to say that. I mean so I much appreciated uh yeah yeah I paid a lot of money for that
1: for those words so thank you Kyle
0: no problem, Stevie. Who's your number one? Quickly, if you're representing All right,
1: number one. You know I'm a Steeler fan, and this guy had it reminded me of Greg Lloyd and uh, played on that defensive line. Jerry Dillon, uh, only there for two years, but on that Peach Bowl team, and uh, made uh, one of the most important plays in that Peach Bowl. I think it, I can't remember. God, the guy for state, and he went. He went on to play at, at, at Pittsburgh too, but uh, he was breaking a run around the end and. The only guy there was Dylan, and he trips him up, makes a big tackle, and keeps that keeps the hopes alive for the Pirates. And uh, you you know the rest; the rest is history.
0: Yeah, quickly uh, honorable mentions: Pierre Bell, uh, Greg Lefevre, Limble Joseph. You have quick honorable mentions, maybe. Uh, uh,
1: yeah, you got uh, George Koontz, uh Mark Libiano. Uh, let's see, I got Limble Joseph too. So just quick ones. Hey, if and since we mentioned D line, my favorite D lineman of all
2: time, you can't forget about the swamp monster.
0: Yes. Absolutely. Oh God, yeah.
1: Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, under I? under
0: under Ruffin McNeil, uh, one of the highlight of the defense.
2: I'll never forget the game he had up in Blacksburg against Virginia Tech. He was a beast. He was throwing offensive linemen around, making plays. He,
0: he did it in Greenville, too, in and yes. a loss to them in thirteen. Um but yeah, he uh, he he was he was indeed the swamp monster. Oh, yeah. I, I guess you guys are too young to remember that. Yeah, well, D- yeah. everybody knows about Danny Kapley. <laughs> yeah, well, and yeah, we are. I'm too young. Uh, Steve, you may not be, but
1: I, uh, I've read I've read a lot about in, in the books. Read a lot about Capley. Cap, I was Captain Crunch. Captain
0: Crunch, I believe. Yes,
1: yes. And Chuck, I'll go ahead and tell you. Chuck was asking. I've got a Kiss shirt on. Chuck was asking me about my favorite Kiss album. It's Rock and Roll Over.
0: All right, guys, it's 9 o'clock, which means we got to yeah. roll. we got to – stay tuned if you're watching. Uh, we're we're going to sign out. We're going to move on and do another show. We, uh, we, we're we going to be talking SMU uh, – we're going to be talking SMU football uh, here momentarily as we uh, switch shows. So we're going to sign out, come right back with Dave and Bubba and talk some SMU football as we preview the ponies. And uh, maybe we'll find out if they're going to the ACC. How about that? So, four. Matt Semenza, Stevie Fly, I'm Kyle from LaGrange Barber. This has been just another sports podcast, and I promise you it'll be better next week, guys. (laughs) As always, go Pirates. So long, everybody.